0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Geek Steep. My name is Marika, and my name is
1: Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> this is a Kelly episode. <laughs> it is. Um, it. Let just say it now. This was one of my top fandoms of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listened to that episode, I gave some of my reasons why there. And from the moment we recorded that episode, I knew this was going to be my first fandom for this season.
0: I am really excited. It has been on my list for an age, never enough to actually watch it. But I mean, that's kind of one of the points of the podcast is to explore fandoms that you wouldn't explore under regular circumstances. I'm really happy that we're doing this today. I did... I did want to take a minute, though, to talk about, you know, something that's happening in the tea world right now before we dive straight into the fandom, Um, is that T2, North America and uh, England has decided to shutter their business. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really sad about this. I'm really sad about this. I'm sadder about this than I thought I was going to be. I was a little surprised slash not surprised
1: but I don't know I'm I I'm feeling a lot of emotions about this one me too it's at the time of recording this it's been less than a week since that announcement yeah um when this comes out it probably will actually be very close to the date they announced uh as their last day of operational business Mm -hmm. in in the U.S. and U.K brick and mortar and online and yeah our obviously we're in a unique position the two of us because we work for a tea company that on the surface i think a lot of people would have viewed as very direct competition with t2 and you know for various reasons we won't get like super super into like our our behind the scenes work kind of relationship. All of all of that, No, but it does give a a different perspective for sure than I think a lot of people have. And I guess when the news came out as someone who obviously is very involved within the industry but is also really involved within you know online community spaces, I saw a really weird ripple of reactions. Some the same as mine that were very sad and remorseful. And you're really upset at the loss of a tea company that was truly a pioneer of specialty loose leaf tea across the globe. Absolutely. You know, Australia in particular, but really their reach has been very, very multi-country based. And I saw a lot of people who didn't seem to care or were happy And it was upsetting to me. I think if you're someone listening to this podcast and, you know, us saying like, hey, we work for a tea company that surface level appears to be in competition directly with T2, clearly you must be happy that people are now gonna, you know, come to your business, presumably, or any of those leaps. I think fundamentally, you don't understand us as people Mm -hmm. and you don't understand the tea industry as a whole. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a really naive and ignorant perspective. And I mean, I'll, I'll let you weigh in. But for me, if you've listened to like even more than one of our episodes of this podcast and you think we view all tea companies as competition, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not who we are as people. No, I mean,
0: maybe we've done it wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there. You know, maybe the onus is on us. No, I am... I'm truly, truly saddened by this news, really saddened by this news. I mean, aside from just the fact that, you know, they had a lot of stores in North America and in the UK, which means they had a lot of employees in the United States and in the UK, and those people now don't have jobs. And that just on the surface is just really, really sad. Also, what you said about them, I mean, they're still in Australia, but they really branched out into many different parts of the world and introduced a different way of looking at tea to all different parts of the world. One of, I have mentioned before I got married in China and one of the wedding gifts I got from Australians living in China is they had tea too shipped out to me in China as part of like them, obviously knowing I'm into tea, but wanting to help me discover part of their tea culture, part of, you know, how they see tea. And it meant a lot to me that they a you know spent that kind of money on international shipping but also that you know that it's a point of pride and it's just really really sad to lose a company that i think holds really good values honestly i think they're very much about tea as a space for people to share who they are um and they do, yes, flavored teas and some traditional teas. And like you said, on the surface, it could look a lot like David's tea, but it was its own unique thing. And it it makes me just really, really sad for everyone uh, that it didn't work out, honestly. It just really, it, it, I, I got really bummed out. You told me at work and I got really bummed out <laughs> at work. Um, yeah, and the people who are like, thrilled at the demise of this company. I don't know, man. Really? Like, really? You're, you're happy that people who were putting their perspective on tea, whether you agree on that perspective on tea, that they were putting it out there and they were giving access to people. You're happy that they're gone. Hey, this isn't like Exxon ExxonMobil. You know what I mean? Like, who were they hurting? Like, who, like, they weren't devaluing anything or devaluing anyone. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly,
1: but... No, I agree. I mean, I said it on Instagram. Our industry is a very small industry despite having a global reach. Yeah. And at the end of the day, all awareness, all education when it comes to tea is net good. Yeah. Um, you know, teas and tea companies aren't inherently bad. Mm-mm. And if you're of the mindset that, you know, anyone selling the same product as you is competition, who needs to go away, one, I think you're in the wrong industry. You're in the wrong business. You're you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong business. Tea people are, like, that's not the spirit of what tea is as a product. Agreed. As a lifestyle. Agreed. Anything, you know, in that vein. And I think when one of us succeeds, when one tea company succeeds, ultimately we kind of all do because, you know, there's a bigger push towards consume, like mass consumer acceptance and awareness of our, of our product, Mm -hmm. the people it affects the culture, the history, you know, it pushes the, the industry to deliver better in terms of quality. Absolutely. Um, you know with with us in terms of like you know being r&d at a, at a tea company that focuses more heavily on flavored tea though we do carry straight um it it really challenges having comp- what what you could call competition mm-hmm. other tea companies in the same space really challenges you to be more innovative more creative you know and that benefits everyone yeah how i don't it, I just genuinely don't understand how people don't see that.
0: I don't either. I mean, the only T2 shop I've ever been to is the one in Rockefeller Center in New York City. And I just remember being so thrilled seeing them there. Like, a giant tea shop in one of the single most visited places on the planet right off the skating rink in Rockefeller Center. I remember thinking, this is so cool. Like, tea is no longer just for the select few. It is living true to the nature of the beverage that it is for everyone. And just to see a dedicated tea shop in that space, I remember being just so happy and it was such a nice space. And now to think of it, you know, not there anymore. Look, if you're happy for their demise, you and I clearly can't really share a cup of tea. (laughs) I don't think, I think we're just fundamentally different people and you do you baby. But, uh, I, I, I just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that. I mean, they're still in Australia. I have a fantastic reason aside from the many lovely Australians that I know, um, to go and visit. It'll make it that much more unique and that much more special. But, um, I just want to say here's to T2 North America and UK. You guys, you, you rocked it and I'm really sorry to see you go. Yeah. On that note, let's bring let's bring the happiness back in, um, Kelly. What's in your cup? I'm
1: drinking. Is it t two? <laughs> no, honestly. Honestly, I really thought about it. We actually placed uh you, me, and uh, another one of our coworkers placed a very big group order. Yes, uh, that arrived actually shockingly fast. Yes, really, really pleased at how fast it arrived, and we did get a bunch of teas. Right. So, so I thought about it. Right. But what I ended up picking is a tea from Happy Turtle Tea, which is a mm-hmm. smaller tea company, the indie tea company that does a lot of fandom-based teas. Maybe you see where I'm going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the the tea is called Dancing Dragons, and it is an Avatar The Last Airbender-inspired tea. Uh, for anyone who has watched the series, you probably recognize the phrase from season three. It's the name of an episode and, and a very significant part of... Aang's journey with fire bending um but the tea itself is is really nice i it didn't feel like the flavor profile i wanted for my watch through but i still wanted to bring it on to the episode it's a mixed base of tea with kind of like a blueberry ish berry flavor Um, Not too sweet, a little bit floral, and it feels very balanced and harmonious, which is a good vibe for Avatar. Absolutely, yeah. Harmony is at the
0: very center of this show. Um, I am uncharacteristically drinking a white tea.
1: Which you asked for and (laughs) blew my mind.
0: (laughs) I don't know what's happening. I just... I felt like I should drink a white tea for this episode. So I've got Midnight in the Garden by August Uncommon, which you uh, picked out for me and I immediately put in. It's a delicate white pu'ar tea.
1: Yes. So this is a uh, moonlight white, um, so depending on how you feel about tea type classification, either a white tea or a puar tea or somewhere in the middle.
0: I'm not entirely certain why I looked you so straight in the eyes and said, Pour me, get me a white tea. And you're like, What's happening? Because historically, as you well know, I'm not a huge fan of white teas. But I think having watched Avatar, just this is my first thought on it, is it's a world that on the surface shouldn't really interest me because it's high fantasy as opposed to, you know, science fiction and the more i watched it the more i was like oh there's a lot to unpack here including my own prejudices and including just seeing something new so i almost wanted to like drink a white tea to like challenge myself i think
1: i don't know I- does that make sense like yeah i think so i i picked this one specifically for you it's a uh, tea that augustin common doesn't carry anymore mm-hmm. one of my favorites that they actually have ever released And I find it so, like, light and fresh. And even though it is at this point a couple years aged, Mm -hmm. uh, I still think it has a really, like, delicate, uh, very flowy kind of taste. I don't know if if you agree. You don't like white tea, so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I'm enjoying it. I am missing that kick that I usually need from a tea, be it from, you know the the temperature of the water or the flavor itself or the caffeine it, that's always going to be my issue with white tea but i kind of needed i think something grounding something mellow something soft for what we're about to discuss today because there's a lot to unpack with this there's a lot to unpack with this and i only saw like what five episodes
1: yeah we picked i guess for our viewers the uh season one or book one episodes The Southern Air Temple, and The Blue Spirit. And from book two, I picked The Blind Bandit, Zuko Alone, and The Tales of Ba Sing Se. So five episodes in total. I skipped the pilot. (laughs) I think this is the very first time one of us has introduced a show to the other and deliberately not wanted to do the pilot.
0: Yeah, I I was surprised when I saw the list, but you know, that's the point of the list is to tr- trust the list, trust the the choice made there, but yeah, you skip the pilot. Honestly, the opening credits kind of give you everything you need. <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly, there are elements of the pilot that I did think could be interesting to explore. It's one of the best views we get. Early series of the Water Tribes. But like you said, all of the plot is summarized in the opening sequence. Yeah. And because pilots generally are so, across any series, are so expositional. I really appreciate that about the Avatar Avatar opening because I got to cut a two-part pilot, which meant more time to get into the meat of the fandom, which is really what I want to show you. Yeah, I understand
0: that urge and I appreciated it. I should, we should just say we're doing Avatar, the last airbender. and yeah,
1: not the blue people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because every time I went to Steve and said, okay, I have to go watch Avatar. He said, why? He was like, why? And I was like, for Geek's Deep, he's like, you're doing Avatar on GeekSteep." I was like, no, 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 Last Airbender. I'm doing the Last Airbender, not not the blue people. I mean, we're going to have to discuss the blue people at some point, but Lord help me, not today. I can't, I don't have... I, I'm not there. I'm not, like, mentally there for that today. Um, So before we get into, like, how we found it, blah, 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 this is a long with the geek. I appreciate why it's that long, but I think for that very reason, we should just jump right in. Kelly hit us with avatar the last airbender
1: all right first airing on nickelodeon in february 2005 avatar the last airbender is an american anime influenced animated tv series created by michael dante dimartino and brian konietzko sorry if i'm saying your last name wrong The series aired for three seasons before concluding with a two-part TV movie series finale in 2008. The series refers to each season as a book, with each book named after an element that series protagonist Aang has yet to master, starting with water, then earth, and finally fire. Episodes are referred to as chapters. The series respectively stars Zach Tyler Eason, Mae Whitman, Jack DeSena, Dante Basco, Jesse Flower and the late Mako Iwamatsu. The series includes themes rarely explored within children's media, such as indoctrination, totalitarianism, free choice, marginalization, colonialism, cultural preservation, and imperialism. A lot of isms. (laughs) Within the series universe, there are four peoples. The Fire Nation, Air Nomads, Water Tribes, and Earth Kingdom. Within each are a subset of the population who possess the ability to manipulate the element of their corresponding nation, also known as bending. Born into one nation, the avatar is the sole being able to manipulate all four elements and commune with spirits. During their lifetime, they must master all four elements and maintain balance within the world. Upon their death, they are reincarnated into a new nation, and the cycle repeats. The first book, Water, begins in the hundredth year of a war started by the Fire Nation, during which they have committed genocide against the Air Nomads, and follows Aang, the current Avatar and last surviving member of the Air Nomads, who, having been frozen in an iceberg for the last hundred years, knows nothing of the ongoing war or genocide committed against his people. He is joined by his friends Katara and Sokka of the Southern Water Tribe as they journey to the North Pole to find a waterbending teacher for both Aang and Katara. At the same time, they are hunted by the exiled Fire Nation Prince Zuko and his uncle Iroh, a disgraced former war general. The second book, Earth, centers around Team Avatar's journey through the Earth Kingdom, as they search for an earthbending teacher for Aang. Later in the season, focuses turn to locating Appa, Aang's flying sky bison, who is kidnapped after the team... Discovers important information concerning the Fire Nation's war plans. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh desert the Fire Nation and live as fugitives within the Earth Kingdom. The series is heavily Asiatic inspired. Several cultural consultants were used throughout the production to help inform art direction, character design, and setting. The Air Nomads were heavily inspired by Taoism and the Buddhist monks of Tibet, and their bending was modeled on the martial art Bagua. Mm-hmm which uses dynamic circular motions and quick directional changes. The Earth Kingdom was heavily influenced by China, with notable series cities like Ba Sing Se, modeled after Beijing sites like the Forbidden City and the Great Wall of China. With the exception of Toph, whose unique bending style was modeled after the Chu Gar Southern praying Mantis martial arts style, Earthbenders can be seen using stances and strikes inspired by Hung Gar. The two water tribes depicted within the series drew primary inspiration from Inuit and Sireneki culture, and the movements of waterbenders were based around the more fluid martial art Tai Chi, with focus on visualization and breath structure. Though the Fire Nation was initially solely inspired by Japan, the creators redesigned multiple facets of the nation to avoid accidentally making broad negative statements directed towards a specific culture. They used northern Shaolin martial arts... Known for their targeted arm and leg movements to represent firebending, and looked at real world locations like Yellow Crane Tower to inform the flame like architecture of the nation. At its premiere, Avatar was the highest rated animated series of its age demographic. The series has received near universal critical acclaim, in particular for its animation writing, character development, and navigation of mature themes. As of July 2020, it holds a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Having won over 10 awards, including a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation, it is widely considered to be Nickelodeon's most critically acclaimed series. The series has become a cult classic and is often credited for opening the doors for subsequent children's shows to blur the lines between youth and adult programming. Following its addition to Netflix in May of 2020, the show held a record breaking 60 day streak as part of Netflix's top series ranking, and was the most streamed children's series on the platform for the entire year. The resurgence was partially attributed to Avatar's contemporary relevance to the racial unrest in the U.S. A sequel series, The Legend of Korra, debuted in 2012 and ran for four seasons until mid 2014. The series picks up 70 years after the events of Avatar The Last Airbender and follows Korra, a 17-year-old girl from the Water Tribe who is the Avatar following Aang's pre-series death. Since Avatar's finale, numerous video games, a tabletop role-playing game, books, and a comic series expanding upon the universe and picking up after the events of the last season have been released. A live-action movie was released in 2010, though it was panned by both critics and fans for its poor writing, acting, and whitewashed cast. It is sometimes referred to as one of the worst movies ever made. In June of 2022, Paramount announced that three Avatar The Last Airbender animated films were in production, including one centered around Aang and Team Avatar as adults. In 2023, news broke that a new animated sequel series centered around an earthbending avatar was also in development, with a tentative release date of 2025. A live-action TV series featuring a culturally appropriate and non-whitewashed cast is currently in development with Netflix, though a release date has yet to be announced.
0: Okay, that is so much more information than I expected. <laughs> um... Just to give you an idea of how much I knew about Avatar The Last Airbender, I had heard about the live action movie being an
1: absolute
0: train wreck. That is what I knew. It
1: has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean,
0: see, now I have to watch it because I love terrible movies and 5% but...
1: We've discussed there are bad movies that are bad good, right. and there are bad movies that are bad bad, and is this, this a is bad, a bad, bad movie that is bad
0: bad. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, I'm not into bad bad. Um, but that that is, that is what I heard. I didn't know this was an animated show until that movie came out. Um, when the movie came out, I was living in China, and it was actually quite popular in China at the time, which I don't know what to, I never know what to make of that. I never know. Um, not that like people loved it, but it was kind of playing everywhere. And I know numerous people went to go see it and didn't think it was horrible. Um, but that's all I knew about this. And obviously if you own, if you have a Netflix account, then you've seen it pop up because, you know, to your point in the, what the geek It was everywhere. It was plastered over Netflix when it came out. But I had this negative association with the movie. And so I just, it was on my radar. But like I said before, not enough to watch it. So this was an absolute, I do not know this world. I do not know what the rules are. I do not know any of the characters. I don't get any of the cultural references. Blind first watch. Which is
1: exciting.
0: And I loved it. I loved it. I I I am difficult with animation, as you well know. I have a lot of animation just in my day-to-day, and so I have a tendency not to watch it in my free time. Um, this is a really cool world. This is a really cool world. Um, You don't have to have seen the pilot to understand basically what's going on, which was really helpful to me the opening credits and the previously ons that they do before the episode, it's not at all an episodic type of show, but it can be treated as such. There are some really deep things that get discussed in this
1: quote unquote children's show. Yeah, I, We started with technically episode three. Yeah. And i I did think about, as I was picking episodes for you, this was an important one I wanted to show you, but I was like, I'm starting her with genocide.
0: So the the way it's interesting that the way it's presented, I didn't think of the word genocide until it came up in your What the Geek. It's just not the imp- It's not horrific in that sense. And there is a kind of showing it through a child's eyes where everything he knows is gone. But the words like, this was a systematic genocide of the air people by the fire people, but it wasn't presented that way. I would not have retold that story in that way just because of the perspective that they give it. But it is true. It is undeniable. (laughs) Like you can't. So yeah, it's some really deep topics and they don't shy away from it, but they also don't live in it constantly which is nice, just from a storytelling perspective, not from a human perspective necessarily, but yeah. From both.
1: Yeah. From a little bit from both. Aang is great in a lot of ways, but I think one of the the things that really allows them to ride that balance of such mature themes is that Aang is a twelve year old boy yeah. who has until the start of the series never really experienced any hardship um you know spoilers i guess for you um he why he's in the iceberg Mm -hmm. is because he was told by the air nomads that he was the avatar Mm -hmm. and he would have all of this responsibility etc and he freaked out and was like i don't want that i want to be a child and i want to play Mm -hmm. and he ran away from home oh was caught in an ice storm frozen in an iceberg and then Shortly after that, the Fire Nation wiped out his entire people.
0: Oh, jeez. Oh, God, that is... Oh, wow. Well, that is so much heavier than the thing that I watched, Kelly. Jesus.
1: <laughs> there, There is a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of rewatchability and, like... I guess the more you rewatch episodes, the more details you notice. And, like, the darker the details. Um I'll share a fact about this first episode. This was the first time. So I, I guess like I got into Avatar as a preteen when mm-hmm. it was airing and then watched Legend of Korra, the sequel series, uh, as when I was like 20. Mm-hmm. Um, loved both then and then rewatched Avatar last year, which you'll know if you listen to our top fandoms episode. Um, This was, I guess, my third time, maybe fourth, watching this episode. And it was the first time I noticed uh, Monk Gyatso, who is like Aang's mentor Mm -hmm. that is focused a lot on on the episode. When Aang finds him uh, dead, it's in uh, like a temple-ish area, basically behind like a locked wall wall. Um, he's the only person there, his skeleton, and he's surrounded by dozens of dead Fire Nation uh soldiers. And later in the series, uh in, in Korra, you learn that airbenders have the ability through their bending to remove the air from people's lungs oh, as shit. a form of suffocation. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Um, it's a very dark method of bending. Every, every form of bending has a dark version mm-hmm. to it. Like water benders, for example, can blood bend, force people to do their will like puppets. There's an episode in season three entirely dedicated to this form of bending. And this was the first time I watched the episode and realized that the reason they were in a locked chamber and this monk had died alongside dozens of soldiers is because he removed the air from the room. Oh my god. So, a lot. That's of, dark! A lot of details and darker details than I think a child would pick up. And no way you would have known that detail either.
0: No, very. It, it's interesting how such dark themes are really. or or dark events are really still portrayed in a way that once finishing this watch, I was like, Oh, I can't wait for my seven year old to watch this show. I'm really excited to introduce it to my seven year old because it's these important themes, but it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't mess with your head that much, Mm -hmm. that much. So uh, thank you for that backstory (laughs) and for the nightmares that it will now engender in me. Waterbenders sound terrifying um, <laughs> like bad bad waterbenders sound terrifying okay but first question i had is is this the first iteration of this world this show this 2005 show yes, yes okay so this was not a concept that existed pre
1: this show it was developed specifically for the series
0: no i mean like there's no last airbender show in like japan that this was nope. based on this is like enti- okay so this is entirely new yes fascinating. So because the amount of work that had to go into building this world before you even tell a story, because that's how it felt, as opposed to last week's episode where we discussed Transformers, where you really felt like they threw 10 things at the board and this like Autobots, Decepticons, this is where they come from, blah, 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 fight, fight, fight. This felt like Opening a very ancient book, and it led me to believe that this show had to be based on something else for there to be
1: that much canon already present. I, I totally get the perspective. I say this often: Avatar is a like a fantasy lover's like wet dream. Yeah, it is so much lore and well thought out and well like fleshed out. Uh, world building and there's culture that it it like drips off even the like still background images it's eye candy and it's based enough in real life culture that you're able if you're familiar to really really rapidly fill in those gaps and it gives you a really 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 strong foundation to understand not just the characters but where they've grown up their you know socioeconomic uh backgrounds um you know the the each nation's view of uh you know war or um just just, like all the things yeah It's, it's so informative and logical and still really good escapism.
0: It it really is and it it um yeah, I was just really impressed by the world itself. Within the first two episodes I was like, okay, this is not we're not just throwing storylines. This is going somewhere. And also the fact that they borrowed so heavily on other genres really really I mean, obviously this is this is uh, an homage to, like, every kung fu movie ever made. But also there's the the lone samurai cowboy aspect to it. There's the huge-scale Lord of the Rings battle to it. There's a lot of exploration of... Other fandoms and other genres that have been around for a really, really long time. So it gives it that ancient feel, but also like that intrinsic knowledge when you're watching it that you're like, okay, this is a Lord of the Rings size battle that they're depicting in this flashback. And this is the lone cowboy Shane type episode. Okay. And this is, and, and, but still while making it its own, which is a really hard thing to do to not steal, but to, to use those themes as they did without it feeling old hat and feeling, but feeling very, very true to that world. Like, well done. Like the balance, the balance on this show is exceptional. It's exceptional.
1: I, I felt really strongly when I picked my episodes that if I was going to get you anywhere, it was going to be Zuko alone.
0: (laughs) Because you know, I love a lone, a lone,
1: a lone Ronin. Like, all right, I I think all the episodes I picked are good. But I, that was the one where I was like, I think I'll win her over here for sure.
0: I mean, when the episode started, I was like, oh, she knows me so well. Like, I love I've said it before on this podcast. You know this about me. God, I love a lone soldier, lone Ronin, lone cowboy. I love those stories. What you didn't know is that I also have an I, I, I don't know where this comes from. This comes from. I don't know what this says about me. I love vignettes. I love I love short stories. So maybe that has something to do with it. But you also chose an episode where it's like a day in a life, a day in the life of everybody. But they tell it as like separate vignettes in one episode. Kelly, I eat that shit up like you would not believe. So like you you purposely and I think not unknowingly picked types of episodes that were absolutely going to get me hooked.
1: Absolutely. So I guess, do you want to go kind of episode by episode? We've talked about the first one we picked. Yeah. The Southern Air Temple. Yes.
0: Genocide. Very sad. Yeah. Air out of lungs. Oh my god. It's the
1: best picture you get um, within, I think, really all of the series of what it was like to be an air nomad and be in the air uh, nation to live in the air temples. Yeah. It is So from that perspective and that lore, it's very early on, but it is the best airbending lore Mm -hmm, episode. mm -hmm. And just, I don't know. Second episode, The Blue Spirit. How did we feel about The Blue Spirit?
0: I liked The Blue Spirit for the reveal of who The Blue Spirit was, because it informed me immediately that these characters will not be able to be two dimensional. Yes. It was like the clear signal to me that these characters have very human, complex reasons and motivations to do things. And they're not completely laid out for us in the beginning. The potential for, I saw that episode and I was like, wow, the potential for growth here is astronomical. It's off the charts. And so it was a, it was a fine episode, And then in the end, when we find out who the blue spirit is, I was like, oh shit, okay, y'all are going for, like, actually creating, like, three-dimensional characters. Okay, well done. On board. And you got me. They did it. They got me. Oh, fucking mission accomplished. (laughs) Mission accomplished, yes, absolutely.
1: 100% the main reason I picked that up. Oh, yay, okay. (laughs) The, The bonus parts for me were, because most of uh what we see of the fire nation is not until the third season right and at that point like i i didn't feel comfortable picking anything from the third season because it's so entrenched in in like the like i i couldn't isolate an episode that would have felt right to show you because it would have drastically spoiled the entire show okay and been too dependent on previous episodes right so, but I still wanted you to see elements of the Fire Nation and it's a good one for showing off more of, of that part of world building oh, yeah. on top of the character growth. And so it was like fantastic, beautiful, beautiful combo to do that.
0: I, I felt it. Yeah. Well chosen because yeah, I came out of that going, all right, let's, let's learn about these people. Let's learn about these people and not just the world, which I, is what I saw in our first episode that we watched.
1: So the next one I picked, we jumped to book two, which is Earth, and it was The Blind Bandit.
0: Like, obviously, (laughs) look, a blind earthbender who's a young girl from an aristocratic background who's really, really good and is technically a master and should be the person Ang learns from. Yeah, what's not to like? What's not to like about that episode? There was nothing
1: there not to like. I thought it was such a great episode. It's Bending Candy. Yes. It is, of the episodes we picked, I think it has the most beautiful show of what bending can be, Mm -hmm. and that was important for me to show you. Toph is a fan favorite character. Yeah, I bet. She is canonically the best earthbender in the world. Okay. Okay. She later in the series actually invents a form of earth bending. Okay. Uh metal bending. Oh. Okay. She's a diverse character. She's she's the same age as Aang, but she's not like Aang at all. No. So it's really interesting to have someone the same age, but act as such a really great foil personality wise. Um It's also, I think, probably the most lighthearted and comedic of the episodes I picked. Yes, yeah. And it was important to me that I didn't pick things that were all dark. (laughs) (laughs) And you were coming into a character introduction episode, but everyone watching the series, that's the first time they meet Toph. Yeah. So I really, really wanted you to have a Toph-focused episode because she's such a beautiful part of the series. Yeah. And what better way than the way everyone meets the character
0: yeah no I again I was it it would have been so easy to just say she's the best and she's blind and leave it at that and again they chose the route of giving her motivations that I understood it was a character that I understood it was a character that we've seen kind of in one way or another it kind of reminded me I don't know if you've ever seen this uh, movie it's got Zhang Ziyi in it House of the Flying Daggers? No. She's also blind. I mean, maybe I'm just... It's been a while since I've seen that movie. But, like, it is that kind of... um That type of character that could get you in just on the surface description. But they didn't stop there. And I appreciate that. Especially with a Nickelodeon show. Like, they don't have to do that. What... I think the Nickelodeon department... And again, if you work in the Nickelodeon department... I'm not... I don't know anything about your business but I know that a huge part of it is just selling toys and you don't always have to do that. And they took the time to do that with that character. And I thought that was awesome.
1: This is just like a tiny little bonus detail, but I said in our what the geek that Toph has a unique, uh, martial arts style yes. opposed to the other Earthbenders, because she's like canonically it's explained because she's blind and she learned how to bend from a different source. But they model it after Southern praying Mantis fighting like the martial arts style, which was developed by a blind woman.
0: See, that's the thing is like, I feel like this show, even though you you don't know it, is always going for that extra element of truth or it's coming from a place that was not just thrown out there. It, It doesn't feel like a world where anything is just thrown out there. I really appreciated that kind of level to detail and, and you can feel it. You can feel it in every single scene and every single frame. So, but that was just like, kind of, kind of like you said, like a humor episode, a fun
1: episode on board, on board. I guess also like tiny tangent. There's a lot of tea in this. <laughs> so much tea in that there's episode. There's <laughs> a lot of tea in the series. Yes. Um, I thought maybe I would win you over to with, they use guy ones in the episode. There's guy ones in it. <laughs> there are straight up guy
0: ones in it. T is a part of it. A few teas get like kind of dropped and mentioned. I mean, I as a tea person, I'm always really excited when it's there. It does. That's kind of the one where I'm like, that's kind of obvious." I do think it's interesting the types of teas that they chose for the types of characters to be unpacked perhaps later. But I, uh, yeah, you got me with that. But that stuff feels like an easy, easy get. <laughs>
1: yeah, but like, it does feel like an easy get. And I would say it was an easy get if it was a like Japanese or Chinese animation studio that produced it. But it was Gaiwan's in there that would have been shown to an American audience. Yes.
0: I think that the people who created it, were into you feel it and I have said it before but it, they were into every single level of detail, down to what the characters were eating and drinking, and uh, yeah I wasn't I wasn't shocked by it. I was delighted by it but I, of all the things that I was surprised by in that show that just
1: wasn't one of them. It's a nice cherry. On it's top, a it's though. a
0: glorious cherry on top.
1: <laughs> it is. So let's talk, I guess, about Zuko alone. This is one of the most critically acclaimed episodes in the entire series. Understood. It's also the only episode that focuses on one character of the main cast. Oh. Obviously Zuko.
0: Really? Yes. Oh, I thought there would have been a little bit more of that. Nope. Only one. I, all right, look, yeah, if you've heard our Logan episode, you know how much I love just a lone soldier, a lone cowboy. That is this episode. It's heavily inspired by like the spaghetti spaghetti Western. Um, I almost could hear the Morricone soundtrack like in the background. Um, what was interesting to me about it is that I didn't feel like they had taken a character and forced it into that genre. I felt like it, that made sense for that character. Even though from my watch, which is only like five episodes, he started off as like a general son. He was very high ranking. He's a prince. He's a prince, right? That's it. He's a prince. He's extremely high ranking. And then, and he was surrounded by soldiers and family and all this kind of thing. And in this episode, he's entirely alone. Uh, he's, he's riding literally an ostrich horse. Oh yeah. Can we talk? Sorry. The animals are great. It's such a simple concept to put two animals together. And I absolutely know that they were inspired by one of my favorite children books of all time, which is impossible to find. And if you can find a copy of this book, I need a copy of this book. It's called whoever heard of a F.E.R.D.? <laughs> It's a really epic children's book from the 80s that never went anywhere. But in that book, it's the same thing as in Avatar, The Last Airbender. They take two animals together. And here Zuko is riding an ostrich horse. It's basically an ostrich the size of a horse. It's so cool. They have like cow, cow, pig animals. Mm -hmm. I really love that element of it. But yeah, so he's riding alone on this ostrich horse. He comes into town a young boy whose older brother is at war with his nation. I was eating it up, eating it up, eating it up. Just a hundred percent. I didn't, I knew you'd picked it though, knowing how much I like it, but I, it didn't take
1: away from my enjoyment of it at all. It's a really good backstory episode for Zuko. Um, they don't outright say it, but it is a huge, it's the start of the reveal of like how he got his scar. Yeah. We haven't mentioned it, but he has a very, very prominent scar that takes up about a third or more of his face right across one eye. Um, You get some of his history, some of his motivations. You start to learn more of the character. Um, It's a fantastic episode for setting him up. In terms of that pivot from villain to being more of an Mm anti-hero. It's the first time in the series we see him actually do a purely selfless act. Okay. um, Which was a big deal when it aired. It's also kind of the first time we see him start acknowledging the negative repercussions of what the Fire Nation is doing to the Earth Kingdom and other nations. Yeah. It's a real pivot moment
0: yeah yeah it's you you see how great i mean being in the world of Aang and how he is learning to control different elements and he's traveling with these people from like the water nation and he's living in the earth kingdom at that point you're kind of seeing the harmony of the four elements coming together and that episode kind of reminds you of like no they are at war they are not harmonious um it's really difficult for everyone and yeah no great episode it just it's it's one of those things where i'm like i'm at the point now and maybe i'm skipping to the end but i'm at that point now where i just want to tell everyone hey just go watch this like you don't need me to convince you you will be convinced within the first five minutes that this is a worthwhile exploit um and it kept happening as we go we going through the episodes that i was like oh yeah this is absolutely something that is worth being explored
1: so that brings us to the final episode we picked. The vignettes! <laughs> so this was Tales of Bossing Say. In addition to Zuko Alone, this is the other episode that was like massively critically acclaimed. Right. So these are the two episodes that, one, I just thought you should watch for various reasons and are just fantastic. And especially Zuko Alone, I... Felt really targeted you. Yeah, but they are the critically acclaimed, like top-rated episodes of the series.
0: Okay,
1: Bossing Say is the only episode, or Tales of Bossing Say is the only episode that is a series of vignettes. Right, it was mostly a filler episode, um, and it was released shortly following the death of Iro's voice actor. Oh. It's actually the last episode that he voices the character. Oh, that's why there's that in memoriam in, Mako. In memory of Mako. In
0: memory of Mako. Cause I saw that and I was like, is that a character or I, I didn't understand the, oh, that, that packs an emotional punch. That must pack an emotional punch.
1: It's a, it's a heavy, it's a heavy thing to loop into a filler episode. Yeah. With. But I wanted to show this one to you. One, cause we didn't really pick any episodes that touch on Katara or Sokka who are phenomenal characters but at the end of the day I kind of felt like it was more interesting to show you you know Toph and Zuko and how this show handles like character growth Mm -hmm. and it was easier to pick episodes concisely for those characters versus Katara and Sokka Mm -hmm. I still wanted you to get a glimpse of their personalities though so vignettes were a great medium for that yeah and two, I wanted to know your opinions on Bossing Se as a city, and this is a good episode for just showing the city.
0: So I love Basing ba Se. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that is cool. It's cool. It's walled off. You gotta love a walled city. I, I don't know what makes me say that, but it's another one of those things where they took a concept that I understood immediately you know, uh, great wall, forbidden city. Just, uh, even it reminded me of, uh, what was that anime that we watched that I thought happened in space, but didn't Attack happen in space? On Titan. Okay. Attack on Titan. It was the same thing where like, you see a giant wall around a city, something cool has happened or will happen. Or, you know, it's like Xi'an in, in China. You're like, look, Cities have walls for a reason. What's the story there? So you immediately understand the type of people that live there and what their motivations are. It's like they are staying where they are. You are not coming in. We are staying where we are. And that immediately tells you a lot of what you need to know about a a people. Um, I like vignettes because... I like those day-in-the-life vignettes because when you have such huge, fantastical stories that are worlds and wars and everything is just so, 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 so big. One of the easiest and most fun ways to make your characters approachable is to just show them doing regular shit in Mm -hmm. their life. Um, And they did it. Again, this show is just really well executed. It's just really well thought out and really well executed because the vignettes that you expected to be light Turned out to be quite emotional, and the vignettes that you expected to be quite emotional kind of ended up being light. And they gave every character kind of a different dimension. Like so, Toph and Soka Katara, Katara. So Toph and Katara have like a girls' day at a spa, and I was like, oh, is this the episode where we're like we remember there are women on the show? Like this, I was like, is that what this is? Um, and then they connect in a really kind of beautiful way and Toph realizes that she hasn't like relaxed or let herself be vulnerable with another person. And I was like, oh, that's very, very, it's actually very valuable storytelling. Uncle Iroh.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. We need to talk about oh Iroh's my God. story. So you, I don't know if you caught this. I, i figured you might and maybe you wouldn't but in Zuko alone in part of Zuko's flashbacks
0: yeah no I am one
1: of the things that is mentioned is Iroh is off fighting the war to take the wall of Bossing Say yeah so he's been tasked with bringing this unbreakable wall down yes uh, and he does yeah. he's the only person who has ever cracked at this point in the series the wall and during that process his son dies on the front lines yeah and he is too overcome with emotions to continue the war. And he goes back home. Yeah. Um, and it's a huge, huge part of Iroh's character. Iroh, I think, is one of the deepest characters. And he he is considered a main character. But, I mean, let's be honest, not to the yeah. prominence of, of the others in Team Avatar and, like, Zuko. But he's a packed character. Yes. He's... The most spiritual one in the entire series mm-hmm. uh his whole his whole shtick basically is trying to teach Zuko that he doesn't need the respect of his father and honor for honor's sake is is not the right path and just at the end of the day you could probably sum up Iroh's story as trying to make Zuko realize that he doesn't have to fall to the same fate that his son did I did not go
0: there at all. I think you're right. Now that, like, upon reflection, I'm like, yeah, I think you're correct. I think the the thing I really took away from it is at this point, yeah, I knew that Uncle Iroh had, like, seen some shit, like, to, re- you know, say it like that, but it, it's always a reminder to me that, like, the funny people or the people who see the world differently, see it differently because of the shit they've seen. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Iroh up until that point had not, I, I wouldn't use the term punchline. He had been responsible for a great many of the punchlines, but he is not a joke in of himself. Yes, agreed. Um, He's seen as lighthearted. He's seen as very wise, but he's also he also lets go of things a lot more easily than like the younger characters who... Which is just, I think, a, an age thing. You know, he's he's much older and he's able to go like, well, maybe we shouldn't worry too much about that. Maybe we should just stop and smell the flowers. Maybe, you know. Um, but to see in his vignette how he spends the whole kind of day cheering other people up, solving other people's problems, and the whole, all the things that he picks up during the day is to have a kind of goodbye ceremony for his son who had died all those years before. Jesus, that... That was a, just a slap in the face—a really... good slap in the face. But
1: damn, it's a chilling moment yeah. in an otherwise lighthearted episode, especially because, yeah. like, if you really stop and think about it, yeah, he spends his whole day helping and solving problems for the nation that was responsible for murdering his son. Yeah, it's... on his son's birthday. Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy, it's... and it was the episode they dedicated to the voice actor's death. Yeah,
0: and it's it's um. He's not angry at them. He's not angry. And he's not, he's not resentful. And there's a kind of peace that he finds in that. It, but it's so sad. It just, it, again, just very well developed characters. I feel like I, after watching it, I was like, okay, whoever built this world needs to give a masterclass in world building because it felt like they were following some Pretty strict rules. Not within the world, but the the rules of world building. I feel like they would not have let... This is a stupid example off the top of my head. They would not let a background character eat a slice of pizza.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is
0: not happening in their world. Like, this is... They're not going to allow that to happen in their world. And that kind of... Seriousness and attention to detail is not something that you see reserved for shows dedicated to children. I feel like a lot of shows dedicated to children is like, how do we make the fastest buck? How do we get the most eyeballs? How do we get the most rewatches? As someone who spends her life watching children's shows, let me tell you, there's not a lot of care. Not everything's Sesame Street, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to find something of this caliber was amazing. Ama- I cannot wait to
1: show this to my seven-year-old. Cannot wait to watch it with her, really. And honestly, that's like anything I could have hoped to come from, <laughs> come from picking this.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was, I, I recommend it to everyone, whether you're interested in that. Co- I'm not, a, I'm not a fantasy person and it, it's just, it's that good. It is that good. So I'm going to answer the rewatch question. Yeah, I'm going to start from the top. I'm going to start from the top and it'll take me a few months, but Yeah, this, this one's worth it. This is worth it.
1: And I'm so excited to follow on your journey of watching it. I need, I need all the opinions and all of the thoughts and as you hit each episode and see different elements, I expect, you know, 10 a.m. office desk drive-bys of like, (laughs) so this happened.
0: (laughs) I'm devastated. This thing that happened like almost 20 years ago on television is
1: devastated. Because I, I have definitely, I think I've given you a lot of plot hooks and a lot of character yes. moments, but I very specifically obscured some things. Okay. So if you do watch the whole series, there are giant elements that we have not talked about plot wise, so you will still have like plot to go through. Excellent. Excellent. I
0: mean, I know you're gonna rewatch. You've done three. Like this is happening.
1: I think next on my list will be rewatching Legend of Korra because I've only seen it in its entirety once, Mm -hmm. Um, and then some select episodes I've rewatched. Okay. So that that'll be next up. But I'm so excited for all of the upcoming Avatar projects. It's
0: a lot. I'm I'm concerned now because thinking I coming into this episode with you thinking that this was like the second iteration of this world or something like that. I thought that the new stuff would have more to build on. Area, ooh, it's going to be a tall order to mm-hmm. execute just from an execution standpoint. It's going to be a really tall order to match the excellence that I that I've been submitted that I saw.
1: It's going to be really tough. Really tough. So with all that in mind, yeah. what tea did you pick, girl? <laughs>
0: I searched high and low for, like, a tea that... Because I had the name. I had Avatar Mm -hmm. The Last Airbender. I had nothing else to go on. You had mentioned, like, the ginseng tea Uncle Iroh thing. But as you know, I'm out of ginseng tea, which is going to make this a year... uh, Interesting year for me. Um... I kind of didn't know what to do, so I picked a tea from one of my last orders of last year, which was Honey Dance Song from White 2 Tea. It's a good fucking cup. Yeah. That's a good fucking cup right there. Um, I actually, the first time I drank it, oddly enough, I made it in a thermos to go to the airport. Because I'd just gotten the order, and I was like, oh, I want, I want to try it. This is probably not doing it justice, but... I don't care. I just want to try it and I have to get to the airport. And it was so good. Like it was so good. So making like a proper cup of it was really nice. And it fit thematically because this is kind of just referencing Asia as a whole Mm -hmm. and indigenous people kind of as a whole. And I think honestly, I'd probably always recommend a straight tea with this world. Um, just because you want it, like with the white tea I picked at the top of the episode, I, you, you need to unpack the subtleties. It's not as much as the bending itself is very actiony and very jarring, you know, the earth flying and the fire flying and the water and all that kind of like that can be seen in, in a kind of actiony punchy kind of way. Uh, now this is a quiet cup. You're going to need yourself a real quiet cup. You're going to need to clear your head and just kind of explore nuance. So I'm, I'm happy with my pairing. I, now that I know it, I feel like I could do better, but it's a damn, that's a, I mean, uh, you know, me and dance songs, but like that's a damn fine cup of tea and it worked just beautifully with this world.
1: I feel like this, like the series in general is so easy to pair with because it's so rife with cultural um tie-ins that are tea culture tie-ins yes. so you can pick an like a million things i mean i went with honey ginseng defense from david's tea okay uh, yeah okay playing on iroh talks about tea a lot and actually we saw it in tales of Bossing say but when they're living as refugees in Bossing say he opens up a tea shop yes. called the jasmine dragon yeah and so I thought maybe I'll pick, like, a Jasmine Tea in honor of the Jasmine Dragon. Um, he likes Ginseng Tea a lot, though. Iroh is a, one of my favorite characters, also a fan-favorite character. All the characters are fan-favorite characters, let's be real. but <laughs> That's
0: where you're at in your journey.
1: <laughs> real, but people tend to like Tov, Zuko, and Iroh the most, mm. usually, usually. Um, I could have picked a straight ginseng because I own multiple. Mm -hmm. I like this one, though, because it's a ginseng oolong with chrysanthemum and goji and a little bit of honey and red fruit flavoring. It still feels very, like, Asiatic-inspired. All of the flavors and ingredients take inspiration from, like, Chinese medicine. um, And there is something very traditional feeling about it. But it's also kind of fun and playful. Right. And Avatar is to me tradition and culture and mature themes done in a sort of playful way. And Aang, I mean, he's just joy and optimism and happiness and is a playful person. And so I thought this was a really good ode to the world, but also to the characters that make the world.
0: Lovely. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's a very layered pairing that you have there. And I, I like it. I like it a lot. Well, honestly, you know, sometimes we come out of Kelly fandoms and I'm just like, why in the fuck did you subject me to this? <laughs> um, that is absolutely not how I feel today. I feel like um, there's a whole new world for me to discover. And other things I've, I've enjoyed, obviously, that you've shown me. But this is the one that I I I know I'm getting into as opposed to everything else like I'm gonna try I'll see if I have time I'm like no no in one way or another I think this is a world that I want to be a part of so. it's
1: such a cool one I'm so thrilled you like it <laughs> spoilers I guess for the rest of of our season I'm I'm really excited about all of the fandoms I picked mm-hmm. and I'm hoping obviously you will like all of them but this was the one that it was like <laughs> that our friendship depends on it's important <laughs> it's a-
0: i knew that going in but i also knew that you wouldn't like respect me if i lied you know what i mean you just a you would know immediately if i was bullshitting you you would know immediately that i was just like yeah it was great i loved it um but i i i went into it just treating it like anything else i really was like i have to treat this just like anything else and came out, like, impressed. So, yeah, highly recommend. Think everybody should watch it. Do we have a tease for next week? I think- I, I don't have a nice tease for next week. We're not doing animation. <laughs> I can say that. We're not
1: doing animation. This is a fan-suggested fandom that came as a suggestion later in our second season. Thank you to everyone who submitted. And I guess the tease will be... We are continuing our exploration of vampires. Yes, because we love vampires. We do
0: love vampires. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be real interesting.
1: But up until up, uh, but uh, <laughs> but for the moment, you can find us on Instagram at Geeksteep. I say it every week, but we don't post a lot. <laughs> However. We are fantastic about replying to DMs and comments. So if, like me, you just love Avatar, hit me up if, you know, there are other similar series. I think this is our first animation win for you. I th- a, a clear win? Like, def- like, definite win.
0: Definite win? Yes. Yes. That I'm, like, now on board? Yes.
1: So I guess knowing that, if there are series that kind of feel in this vein that you think Marika would like, and give us some suggestions. We've found a touchstone <laughs> for future animated series. There
0: is a place for this in my world. Yeah, it was starting to look kind of dire there, but there is a place for that in my world. Thank you for introducing
1: me to the world of Avatar, of course. And we will see all of you in two weeks. Bye.